humans of bci was like just a video project that i had for bci uh-huh. one video that i could record one interview that i did and that led to my podcast that i have now it's called the hidden artist hidden uh, hidden artist because all these people they've not been discovered yet being an entrepreneur be it a musician be uh-huh. it someone just someone who's great at what they do they've all these people who all these talents that they have but all they don't have is an opportunity uh, to be them you know to be out there and be as famous as all the other people or just be known for what they do i just wanted to give these people a chance to be able to do what they love for a living hey everyone it's ragu back with mind rolling and i'm here with natalie burwatkar a very interesting uh, young woman who i met recently and uh it's welcome first of all natalie welcome thank you so much raku for having me in here i am so grateful to be on this podcast and i'm i've heard a few episodes and i'm such a fan and the fact that i get to be here is such a huge honor for me thank you. Oh, absolutely. Well, one of the things that I love to do is is speak to next generation um and really get a sense of uh how they are dealing with uh the kind of world that we are living in right now. It's a very tough world, not that it historically, of course, there always is something going on. uh that is uh makes life quite difficult for people but we're we're in a in a really in this country in particular um in a very polarized situation so i like to t- talk to people about you know next gen young people about how they manage to uh maneuver through all of this so just so everybody knows uh, natalie is of uh hindu of uh, jewish descent living in india and was brought up there and is studying here and we'll get into what she's doing here in a in america but i uh yeah tell me a little bit of what you know cuz i mean i as everybody knows on this podcast have spent a lot of time in india and i really had n- i had some understanding that there were jews in india but really not much of anything maybe you can fill us in a little bit and uh yeah so i'm natalie and uh natalie dayan tirwatkar to be more specific so my last name makes it sound very hindu yeah right but i'm actually jewish and both my parents are born and raised and it's funny how they both met because in a country that has so little jews which is now even gone down because there's just a few thousand left now and most of them migrated to Israel because that's that's mm. the holy land and that's where everybody wants to be at right um so both my parents were born and raised jewish and not many people actually know of that jews exist in india not even the people living in india themselves know because it's such a small community and now there's just every thousand left and um So I don't really know much about how Jews came to India which I should be knowing but mm-hmm. uh, yeah that's that's basically about it I just know that my grandparents were both in Mumbai India which is where I'm from 
and yeah that's basically what i know about well i looked it up natalie i looked it up and um it began can you believe this in the first century how about that jews jewish community of, of what was called bombay of course um they consisted, it says, of the remnants of three community, distinct communities, the B'nai is, Israeli Jews, of Konkan, I don't even know where that is, the Bug, uh, Baghdad, uh, Baghdadi Jews of Iraq, and I, uh, uh, actually my sister-in-law, that's where her uh, relatives came from, and the Cochin Jews of Malabar. How about that? Isn't that interesting? That is so interesting. And the first Baghdadi Jew was his name was Joseph Sema, moved to Bombay, Mumbai, Bombay, Mumbai, from Surat in 1730. Okay, so you must have some connectivity to this Joseph Sema. You've never heard that name, right? Your parents never got into that. Never. Yeah. yeah, they came from this the Konkan villages south of uh, Bombay um, and uh, established the Gate of Mercy Synagogue. Have you ever heard of that? My dad actually uh, is one of the community members there. And oh. he's always been so active in the Jewish community in Mumbai. And mm. um, so he's always been there because that's one of the oldest synagogues. And so he's always been there actively working towards making sure that this synagogue stays well constructed. You know, there are people who know of it. And he's, 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 he's basically the reason why, uh, you know, me and my brother are so inclusive and are so connected to Judaism. And oh, yeah. you know, even when I'm here, I make sure to go to Kabad, to Hillel, you know, just to preserve my Jewish identity. It's just... Uh, so important to me to remember that even though I am someone who's like from India, Judaism stays like a huge part of my identity. But it's funny how not really many people know of it because when I go to Kabad or to Hillel, and people actually ask me, you know, are you Jewish? Because, you know, I see you at these events, so obviously you might be, but you're from <laughs> India, so how does that work? Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, I'm actually Jewish. And so they're like, okay, did you actually convert to Judaism? I'm like, no, both my parents were born and raised Jewish, and that's how I'm Jewish. <laughs> so it's like, I really, I'm glad that you have me on here, and I'm so grateful to my mentor, Audrey, because of whom we met. She's been such an amazing woman and so, such an important, powerful force in my life, and I'm grateful that you have me on here because that way I get to share more of my identity, share more of you know, uh, the existence of Indian Jews, if I could be probably, let's say, a represent or an ambassador for them, Mm. as you may say. Yeah. Of course, it's funny. I grew up Jewish and I'm from Canada and uh, and I was escaping the Judeo-Christian sort of boundaries that I felt I was, you know, not very, very uh, connected with. Um, and and I went through a, a very, uh, you know, something like the, uh, well, it was called Talmud Torah. I went through that school system, which was like yeshiva. And, um, and I came out of it a bit of damaged goods, actually. Um, 
because of the, uh, well, one of the realities were that the teachers actually had uh, come, uh, one of my teachers had come from Germany or around Germany somewhere, but had been in the, uh, in the camps uh, and, uh, and had been brutalized and was very angry man, obviously had tremendous PTSD uh, for uh, just, uh, again, obvious reasons. And that uh, was not an optimum uh, situation for bringing along young people at that time. So I, of course, then when I became an adult, uh, I started investigating Eastern stuff, right? And I met Ramdas, and that and that's a whole, you know, denouement of my uh, story because I ended up going to India. And uh, so it's funny to discover you who are brought up in this tradition in India. Is there any... Is there any way in which there was in your family any connectivity to, you know, to some of the tenets of Hinduism and and uh, the uh, which is obviously uh, theistic, whereas uh, you know our Jewish tradition is non-theistic. So it's a there's a big divide. Is did anything happen that that brought these two worlds together for you at all? Um, honestly, it's just growing up in India and like being a part of all these different communities, because most of my friends, given how small the Jewish community in India is, I have more non-Jewish friends than Jewish friends. So most of them are Hindu. So mm. which is why I feel like I have a good exposure of different religions and also because I had to study that in school about how the history of all these religions were. So probably that's why, you know, all these, you know, that's how... Judaism and Hinduism, I feel collided, and my parents always made sure that they had me gave me an understanding of what all these different because in India you don't have any Jewish holidays. All you have is holidays for all these Hindu festivals yeah. or like most of some of yeah. them for maybe Christian festivals. But yes, they always told me about the history of it, what it meant, you know, and like obviously these festivals like Diwali, Ganesh Chaturthi, they're like such big things that. It just makes me curious to know more about what this is. But um, being Jewish, I never really feel like I uh, went to the point that I really, you know, celebrated these festivals as much as I celebrated, uh, let's say, the Jewish New Year or like Yom Kippur or like <laughs> Simchat Torah or like Sukkot. Yeah. <laughs> It's funny to even to hear you say these, uh, <laughs> you know, just uh, the Jewish holidays and so on. It's it's kind of amazing. It's like, uh, wow. I mean, I honestly never really knew. I mean, I thought, it, you know, I knew there was some Jews still left in India, but um, there's a what? There's three or four thousand in in uh, Mumbai now, right? Or in that area, still. Yeah. There are, there are a lot of Jews in Mumbai. I think they're more in Mumbai than, like you said, in Cochin, because that's basically where the first Jews arrived. And mm. probably they migrated to all these different places. Mm. And then there was that terrible thing when you were, of course, much younger in 
what, two, 2008, you know, when there was the terrorist attacks in, in Mumbai, Mumbai at the hotel and at a synagogue, correct? Yeah, it was at the Kabad in Mumbai, mm. um, where the family just, you know, like they were, I mean, it's, it's, it's sad that the young kid, Moshe, he had to go through so much. I unfortunately was not in Mumbai then because my dad's job transfer, we were living in a different city in Pune. Oh, you were in but, Pune? Yeah, but we were supposed to visit Mumbai like uh, a few days after the attack happened, which we had to obviously postpone. But it was very shocking because I grew up in Mumbai, my whole family did. So, you know, it was, it's very hard for us to understand about why people did that. They say that it was specifically to target the Jews there, which obviously were such a minority. And yeah. it's it horrible, it was terrible about everything that happened there. But mm. I'm so glad that um, so my brother now goes to Kabad. He's he's twelve. His name is Zafan. He goes to Kabad uh, for all these Jewish camps, and really the Kozlowski family, uh, and even uh, you know all these different people who come here uh, to Mumbai from Israel and from all over the world, like New York. They really have been you know making sure that all these kids have a way to understand more about Judaism, which wasn't as much as when I was younger. These Jewish summer camps, they have, you know, Jewish schools that have been, you know, set up especially for all these Jewish kids to learn more about what it's like to be Jewish, what it's like to understand about where we come from and mm. how important it is to still stay connected. Because as Jewish young adults, it's very hard to relate to Judaism, especially when you hear about things that they don't you don't really know if they happen or not. I mean, the only connection I had with Judaism and something that I really felt strongly connected to was when I heard about the Holocaust. But aside from that, I don't really, you know, think I connected to the Jewish history as much as, you know, when I went to the summer camp, uh, to this uh, Jewish leadership program called BCI, which was the first time I came to LA. It's called Brandeis College Institute. It's a 26 day. Jewish leadership program that I went to right after I graduated with my bachelor's in biomedical engineering in 2019 because that was the exact first time when I you know was I had to was you know had to let go of that structured path that was for me and you know how it's like to be a graduate you have all these different options and you don't know which part to take so I felt so lost that I was like okay I need to find a way to you know give myself that extra probably one month to figure out what the hell I was going to do next because mm-hmm. everybody else would keep asking me, you know, they were like, oh, you're graduating soon. So what next now? What next are you doing? And I was like, okay, I don't know myself. What next am I doing? So I just had to find a way to uh, give people that answer of being like, okay, after graduation, I'm going for this one yeah, month right. program. So like, maybe yeah. I might figure out what next to do in life. So I went, I luckily got accepted to this program that I told you about. So it was a beautiful 26-day program where I met Jews from all over the world. And that was the first time I came to the U.S. in L.A. Uh, so this program was in Stanley wow. Valley. And I, I actually understood what it was like to be Jewish. And I connected to Judaism more of like on a spiritual way than, you know, as like uh, in a traditional way. Mm-hmm. We did different things. One thing that I especially caught my attention was like speaking to God in my own words, because obviously you have prayers, but even though, uh, you know, I learned Hebrew a bit, I don't really understand the words. So I'm like, what the hell am I saying to God about? You know, they, I would get bored in the synagogue and I, you know, I somehow 
we say, okay, I'm Jewish by birth, but what does that mean to be Jewish? It was when I went to this program and connected with Jews all over the world over our shared identity, over our shared views, over our shared trauma of the past. That was when I started to realize how Jewish was like, being Jewish was like a huge part of my identity and how I wanted to preserve it. I connected more with Judaism because I, and I found my faith in God. And I realized, you know, even though I did not really specifically felt that I had a part, I knew that I had to come back to the U.S. because in the U.S. it's like uh, the prayer books are in English, so and most of them are translated. So you obviously know what he's saying. A and B. I felt like it was more spiritual as compared to what it was in India. It was more traditional. Mm. And I felt like as a person to find the opportunities that I need for myself, and which I hopefully even want my brother to be exposed to once I have enough money and like the opportunities that I can create for myself and all the other people out there who feel lost in life. So I feel like that is so important, you know, just like, I don't know, just like knowing that you're not alone if you're feeling lost, if you don't connect with a certain part of your identity. It's like you always have time to explore that and just, you know, realize that it's okay to not connect with a certain part of your identity. and it's okay to like take the steps to understand where you fit well and yeah i mean mm. i don't know if any of that makes sense but i just no no think- it's it's a it is the maturation process for young people that are going through and trying to find themselves it's all perfectly right on and you managed to do that i wonder have you investigated any of the mystical part of Judaism, the Kabbalah and so on? That was, yeah, that was what I learned when I was at BCI. We had these different classes about Judaism and, uh, you know, spirituality. One of those classes uh, was more about a love and connection. And it uh, helped us understand uh, that through uh, Jewish texts. And which is when I was like, okay, Judaism is not just the Jewish history. It's also more about the Jewish values, the Jewish connection that you have with all these people. And in fact, it was through all these lessons that I had that I figured my purpose in life to make a difference in lives of others. And I became really nice friends with this guy named Matt Reese, who's an amazing guy. And I told him how I really, you know, wanted to find a way to do something that I could with my purpose in life. And he was like, you know, just like you have humans of New York, why don't you start in humans of BCI? So basically a podcast wherein you interview people, because I found that there were so many people at BCI who were like so passionate and so great at what they do. But what they did not have was a platform or like a way mm. to figure out what next to do and what next steps to take to get to where they wanted to be in life. So there was this one guy who is a great musician. He wrote amazing songs, but he was working at a place that, you know, was just for the money. He didn't really like his job, but what he wanted was like, you know, some extra money so that he can figure out how to break into the industry that he wanted to, which is music. But he he had been, since graduation, he'd been working at that place for five years and pursuing music on the side because he didn't know what next to do. He didn't have a mentor. He didn't know how to get one. 
And so for me, it was like, okay, how can I help him? Because I was going through that same phase. I wanted to pursue entrepreneurship right after I graduated. And that was my goal, but I didn't know what next steps to take. So I was like, okay, you know, why don't I just start a podcast with my friend, Matt, who obviously filmed me. Uh, you know, I was like, okay. We, what we did was uh, he gave me this, you know, this beautiful way to figure out how to make that next step happen. So I was like, okay, I'll start something called Humans of BCI, where I provide a platform to all these people to share their talent with the world or like whoever is listening so that they have a way to put themselves out there and be discovered by the right set of people who can help them try. Let's say a musician, okay? I interview a musician who speaks more about what he is. And like, let's say after I release that podcast, somebody sees it let's say a record label and say okay i like this guy you know his music is great why don't i just you know sign him up and that humans of uh humans of pci led to the hayden artist which is a podcast that i have because what's wait think, what's this what's the uh the second podcast called uh the humans of bci was like just a video project that i had for bci uh-huh one video that I could record, one interview that I did. And that led to my podcast that I have now. It's called The Hidden Artist. Hidden. Uh, Hidden Artist. Because all these people, they've not been discovered yet. Be an entrepreneur, be it a musician, be Uh. it someone someone who's great at what they do. If all these people have all these talents that they have, but all they don't have is an opportunity uh, to be them, you know, to be out there and be as famous as all the other people or just be known for what they do. I just wanted to give these people a chance to be able mm. to do what they love for a living. Mm. And so that led to Hidden Artists. And now, uh, you know, I've been interviewing a few people for that. And it's it's been great. I just hope that it becomes, uh, you know, it, more people listen to it so that ultimately all these people I've interviewed have a way to be able to you know, do what they love for a living, mm. have more exposure. Yeah, that's great, Natalie. I mean, that's really to to support uh, your fellow humans in in this endeavor, uh, especially young people who are trying to find their way and are trying to express themselves in different ways, creatively or through entrepreneurship or through whatever means that they connection is is really what it's all about. So that's a wonderful thing. Tell us about, um, you know, very interesting what your, um, you know, your whole education turned into and what you are, you know, you're, you're going to be graduating this in the next couple of months here. And this is 2023 in, in the summer, right? Yeah, it's so crazy. So basically, uh, my grandfather, he passed away due to cancer when I was like, my, both my grandparents, my dad's side, they passed away from cancer when I was like, um, you know, well, basically, to be more precise, my grandmother passed away before I was born. And my grandfather, mm. my dad's side, he passed away when I was like 20 days old, both from cancer. Oh. And I uh, had that interest in healthcare, which is why I pursued uh, undergrad in biomedical engineering, because I wanted to solve, to help, you know, work towards treating cancer. Mm. But... Uh, right after I graduated, like uh, 2019, like a few months later, my grandfather passed away due to a, a heart attack that was caused 
due to an undetected brain clot, which obviously could have been done. And I kept thinking to myself, you know, I could have done something. I studied biomedical engineering, which is obviously in the healthcare field. What could have, you know, I could have done something. I always, you know, had that thing that, mm. you know, what was my degree worth? And just a few, so I kept investigating about how to, you know, how, how is it that I could help them? And how is it that I can, you know, use my degree in a way that I can help more people uh, and, you know, probably work towards finding a cure for this. And that was when I came across this TED talk that said about how, uh, you know, uh, you can repair your brain using stem cells. And I was like, that was so fascinating, you know. Where did you really where did you see that that turned you on? You uh, came I across a TED talk. Oh, ah, and TED then, talk. Uh, yeah, that did a researcher huh? said how he we could, you know, potentially move towards a place wherein you can treat your brain, repair it using stem cells. Mm. So stem cells, for those who don't know, are basically present all over in our body that help in regenerating different organs. And so I was like, this is fascinating. You know, I really want to learn this. And so I applied um, to this master's program at USC, which is like a two-year program, but the second year is thesis-based. So it's a degree called Master's in Stem Cell Biology and Regenerative Medicine. And I applied to it. And somehow in my head, I'm like, okay, I'm going to get it, you know. And it mm. just happened. I got in. But that was in 2021. And I was like, okay, I studied an undergrad in biomedical engineering, which is like very different than this because people who have a background in biology have like an easier way to be able to navigate through this course than someone like me. And then I was like, okay, if I, because it's very expensive to come to the US from India, you know, when you convert uh, Indian, uh, Indian rupees to dollars, it's very expensive. And so, <laughs> yeah, say the least. I, yeah and like and like i had i couldn't you know i couldn't just like come there so i had to get a student loan to be able to do that and which was obviously on my parents time and they believed in me but i was like to my dad i'm not sure what to do because he kept asking me you know should i should i uh tell the bank that we'll get a student loan for you or stuff like that because that was happening on their time and uh i was like i don't know what to do so my dad was like well why don't you do one thing why do you deaf for your admission and like probably get you know, an internship or work at a stem cell research lab, understand how this is and decide whether this is for you or not. So I'm like, okay, that makes sense. So I deferred my admission and 2021 from July 2021 to, to June 2022. Middle I of the worked. pandemic. Exactly. I found side a job. Note. Luckily, yes, I found a job. I worked at a stem cell research lab and I saw the beauty really? of how it had to treat autism there was this patient who couldn't walk but because of stem cells and like probably over like over five doses that she took and she got cured not not like completely cured but she was able to walk she was able to her seizures went down mm -hmm. it just worked so magically and there were no side effects to this treatment because these are cells that were taken from her own body the bone marrow cells Oh. which is also called as mesenchymal stem cells and they were multiplied in the lab during different growth factors and given to her and that works so magically i'm like okay i need to do this i need hmm. to come here so i came here i came to la and like even though no matter how hard it's been to navigate the loneliness the anxiety hmm. the 
you know, ability to live in a new country with not knowing anyone. It's just been so hard. But wow. my mom's friend has been really great. Her name is Lisa and she works in LAPD. And my mom, being the Jewish mother that she is, made sure that she uh, made the introduction while she was in Israel, uh, where she met Lisa, obviously. Uh, and like told her my daughter's coming to LA. So she's been of great support. Sherry, her friend has been of great support. My mentor, Audrey, she, she's been amazing. How I did that happen? You got to tell that story. Oh, about Audrey? That's yeah. interesting. So when I was coming to LA, I came across, just like two months before that, I came across this TED talk that Audrey gave on the power of connections. Mm. And I was like, okay, this woman is amazing. I've got to find a way to be able to meet her because she lived in San Diego and I was like how far is LA and San Diego I might <laughs> just have to meet her so I shoot her an email uh, saying that hey I'm coming to LA I really love your TED talk and I would love to meet you and so she happily responded to it she's like yeah we've got to you know make this happen and so she uh, you know tells her assistant and makes a meeting happen but because of my anxiety it just gets so hard that I was on my way to uh, you know, take the Amtrak to go to San Diego, but I canceled it midway because my anxiety gets, you know, to the oh. rooftop. And that was like when I was like the first time in the US by myself. And um, so, you know, that happens. We stayed in touch over email and Audrey understood when I, when I told her about, you know, my anxiety and everything. But like that happens. We stay in touch until I come back here in 2022, August to pursue this master's degree at USC. And uh, over a winter break, I see an email from Audrey, uh, you know, about how uh, the whole, you know, I mean, just like uh, end of year greeting. End of what? End of year greeting. Like it was going to be 2023. And this was sometime like uh, during Hanukkah. Uh, when she writes about you know how a year has been and and uh, and she's obviously been such an inspiration to me so I'm like I have got to find a way to meet her and let's let her know that I'm here in LA so I shoot her an email saying that uh you know who we meet and to navigate my anxiety she books the tickets for me bus tickets and she's like yeah you should be here and she posts me for Shabbat her family's been amazing her kids are all amazing she's been such an amazing woman and you know literally I spoke to her yesterday about this and she's really excited to hear about this but yeah she's she's been amazing she's been the reason why I feel like whenever I have anxiety or whenever I stop you know believing in myself she just reminds me of how powerful I am and yeah, everything I do, I'm like, I give her a call or text her and she's always been there for me. Mm, that's so great. That's so and great. she's the reason why I'm here with you. So mm. props to her on that. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, I mean, going to, you know, you coming over from India to LA alone and going through this is is unbelievable, really. I mean, I went to India when I was your age. You're what, 23 now or something? like that i turned 25 on the fifth of the oh you got way older already uh anyhow when i was i, I went to india I was 24 actually and i got to mumbai and i had read in the newspaper that there was an airline strike right this is like early 70s right so i thought to myself and i had to get to um bangalore where I was meeting people. And uh, I thought, 
okay, I guess I'll have to take the train. And I went down, knowing nothing, and I went down to the train station in Bombay at that time, Mumbai, and it it was like tens of thousands of people all gathered together, lined. I thought, oh, my God, there's an airline strike. That's why everybody's down here at the train station. The truth is nobody flew back then except very wealthy people, right? Not like today. And I, of course, anxiety. When I was in that train station, I still can remember, oh, my God, I'm in the middle of India. What am I going to do? And this was, by the way, after I had met Ramdas, and I was on my way. Somehow I was going to meet Neem Karoli Baba, you know, our guru. And uh, there I am sitting in the middle of this crazy thing going on at this train station in uh, in Bombay, Mumbai. And uh, yeah, I was overwhelmed by anxiety. I ended up thinking that I couldn't take the train because I couldn't navigate, you know, how to even get a ticket. Okay, that's a so I'm really relating with you going from Los Angeles and trying to get, you know, on the on the uh, Amtrak up to down to or up to uh, San Diego. So you know what I did? I hired uh, some a car and a driver, right, a taxi basically, to take me from Mumbai to Bangalore, which is a few day road trip, right, and. I got in the car and there was other, somebody else, maybe two other guys in the car. I thought, okay, this is it. I'm being kidnapped for sure. It's over. Anyhow, these people took care of me the whole way in the most beautiful, the way India is, you know, around family. We're going to take care of you no matter what and completely um, transform my ridiculous um uh, worry of, about uh, landing in Mumbai, having no idea what to do. So I, I can relate going to a completely foreign country and, and not having uh, the kind of security that we're used to. So yeah, congratulations, you made it. No, honestly, thank you for telling me because that makes so much sense. India is like so crowded. So I understand how it's like. But you know what, like for those people who are listening to me and like, you know, feel that anxiety and like, you know, obviously maybe I might be graduating soon or like have anxiety in life in general about how to go about it. Something which my mentor tells me is like, A, you're not your thoughts and B, something which she told me, which I'm sure a lot of people can relate to and like understand how uh, what she tells me is my superpower. And I know a lot of people might have that. It's all about just, you know, listening to it once. So she's like, you have the most fear, Natalie, but you never stop. You just keep going and use your fear as a way to motivate you and help you take the next steps. So when I felt lost in life, I started this podcast. I never stopped. It was about helping people. When I felt lost in life and I figured there was no movie, no book written about you know, this feeling of feeling lost and not knowing what next to do in life because we all feel that pressure to have it all figured out which obviously nobody in this entire world has it which I really want all the listeners to know even if you don't have it figured out it's okay I wrote a screenplay based on which is so different than what I studied based on feeling lost in life and not knowing what next to do in life so basically when I was like you know graduating I saw all these different parts but didn't know what next to do in life and I was like, okay, I watched all these movies and I discovered my love for films. And I was like, okay, somebody 
you know, I took this class uh, by 13 reasons why after brand insulin. And I, you know, I was like, I have no idea what the hell am I doing, but I just took this monologue class and I made a monologue of my own because I didn't know what that was. And that was also the time I got into films a lot. And uh, so I wrote a monologue based on feeling lost in life. And he mm-hmm. said, why don't you just write a screenplay? And I was like, I don't know what the hell to do, how to help it to write a screenplay. But mm-hmm. I wrote one and it's a little all over the place. But the dream is to have it be made into a Netflix film. Uh, and I don't want to be famous in any means. All I want is so that people who see it know that they're not alone in their struggles, know that, you know, it's okay to feel lost in life. And I hope that it gets made into a Netflix film someday so that, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people can feel, see, especially I want it for my younger brother because, you know, he's obviously going through this transition and also something that led into uh, wisdom, which me and my co-founder, uh, Kevin, who's the CEO um, I'm one of the co-founders of it and the chief visionary officer. So basically, it's about a mentor, mentee matchmaking platform. Oh, you're talking. Oh, is that uh, we didn't bring that up actually. What's it called? It's Wisdom. Called, yes, and it's uh, we're still looking for early mentors and mentees. Uh, so basically, it's a platform to connect mentors, somebody who's you know really good at what they do, and mm. mentees, people like that's amazing. You know, people who are like still figuring out young college students let's say they're interested in music but they don't know how to go about it so uh this is a platform for us to connect mentors and mentees because i know how much i struggled finding a mentor so did my co-founder and so did all so so do so many people because even if you go on linkedin and shoot an email it takes for you uh, so long to find one who would actually be willing to mentor you because you don't know what their intention is right if they have the time or not so a platform to actually connect people who are mm. actually willing to mentor you with people who are willing to learn yeah. and figure out. Yeah. The and, is, sorry, uh, the goal is to have this platform be made as a place that, you know, people find a way to do what they love for a living. I'm sorry I cut you off. This is like me being so excited to talk about it. <laughs> <and I'm> like, <laughs> well, the problem is, you know, with, uh, for instance, LinkedIn, uh, this, you're talking about people who, are big time wanting something and there's a tremendous self-interest is going on. So the idea of mentoring uh, a young person is maybe not so much on that agenda. So that's what, and by the way, everybody, if you want to check it out, W-Y-Z-D-O-M, Wisdom. It's, uh, it's, you know, that's the name of the website. Um, and whoever can uh, contribute by just uh, connecting. I mean, back to connecting, you know, that, that wonderful uh, t- TED Talk that, uh, that your mentor, uh, um, that was the first thing that you heard, Audrey, yeah. Um, and, you know, something else she said to you, I wonder how, and th- this goes back to our conversation early about you grew up Jewish in India. What about, did, was there anything, was there any kind of cross currents between what Hinduism has to offer and with Judaism? Of course, I, my contemporaries, and many of them, this was a common occurrence of mixing. There were rabbis that Ramdas uh, was very close to, Shlomo Karlbach, Oh, being one of them, who did take what uh, Eastern um, 
religions had more the mystical part, not not the uh, extra uh, extra uh, the um, worldly part, should I say, the part that we rebelled against, right? The formalities and being more interested in having to toe that line rather than how do we find ourselves within it. And um, what Audrey said to you, by the way, just remember, because, you know, she was talking about your anxiety and I give, giving you some advice and she would, you just said that, it just clicked for me. Well, you know, don't believe your thoughts. Is that what she said? You don't need to believe in your thoughts. Yeah, she said you're not your thoughts. So you're not your thoughts, thoughts. yeah. You're not your story. You're not your thoughts. Who you are, of course, is way behind all of that, which Eastern, which is why we, and by the way, many of us that went over to India, Ram Das is Jewish, Krishna Das is Jewish, you know, I'm Jewish. There was many of us that went over that sat with Neem Karoli Baba, right, who were Jewish. It was kind of a weird thing because I guess, you know, Jews are very adventurous and, you know, it's part of our cultural identity. Um, so, but the way in which what was offered through, and Maharaji, by the way, although he, he was Hindu, we called him Maharaji, named Karoli Baba, th- there was nothing whatsoever, it was a, a sub I mean, you, it was all one, it's all one. There, there is only one God. There's not God for Muslims and Jews and Christians. There's one God. Basically, that was the immediate message. But the most important thing was being connected with going inside and discovering ourselves and discovering uh, that we weren't our thoughts, we weren't our stories, we weren't our habitual patterns and neurotic stuff that was you know, part of our growing up and growing into like you get your name and suddenly you're a separate entity. And that's what we spend a lifetime of trans, uh, you know, transforming, transcending that idea of being a separate entity. And the interconnectivity is really uh, important, especially now. So how do you look at, at that whole concept related to, uh, you know, I know you're a practicing Jew, we talked a little bit about it that dinner that night. Um, but um, I guess I always had an issue with uh, not with being more concerned with the outer trappings of the religion, which is why I asked you about the Kabbalah, because that is the mystical part of Judaism, which sends you, which absolutely does uh, present an, the inner um, reality that of who we are how do you navigate that like navigate being uh, just just the idea that um we are not our thoughts we yeah. are not our story we are something behind that how um it it there's a lot of um ways in which that can be um discovered I find in Eastern, you know, in Hinduism, Buddhism, and so on. And I did not find that in Judaism. How are you finding that through Judaism? I feel like for me, like, I don't really know much about 
you know, if I go back to the Jewish text to find out about, uh, you know, that, that I'm not my thoughts or something like that, I, I mean, I'm pretty sure that a lot of, I mean, there must be something that would say about it. But for me, it's like, I believe that even though I'm Jewish by birth, and like you said, I believe in the fact that there's one God. And so what I try and have faith in is the universe. And like, it is always working for me. And everything that I go through in life is like, there's a reason behind it so that it can directly put me on the path that I can be of highest service to someone. Let's mm. say this feeling of feeling lost in life and like this feeling of uncertainty. Like right now, I'm just, you know, in this phase where I'm graduating soon. And I feel like even though right now I have a company to run, I still have got to find a job to be able to stay in the country. Or maybe like, you know, even probably if I find funding uh, for the business, that would be great also so that I can hire 10 people and like get to stay in the country on the E1 visa. But it's it's very difficult. It's like I constantly keep thinking about how the worst case scenarios might happen. I might have to go back home and live the same life that I do not want to live because India does not have the same opportunities that the US has. And even though there's a lot of freedom also in India, it does not have what I need. I had to come all the way here to the US to make all these dreams happen. And if I have to go back home with this huge student loan that I have, it just scares me. And mm. so I constantly keep thinking about, I mean, obviously this call with my mentor, Audrey, helps. Also uh, meeting, um, I keep forgetting his name, but he, uh, he told me that, uh, that, you know, that God loves you. If I were you anxiety, just think that God loves you and that he is protecting you and he's there for you that's the only thing that you need to remember and that's basically what i'm doing god loves me and is with me and that's the only thing that's helping me get through this because even if there are days when i think that the worst case are gonna worst things are gonna happen i just have to remember that there is a universe and if it has gotten me until this point where i am here and if it is making me go through something it's it's for a reason and it is just to put me on the path that I always wanted to be in. I believe that we are all here for a reason. You found your reason, which is why you're doing what you're doing today. And everybody is where they are today. And everybody is here on this planet Earth for a reason. I mean, you are alive and that's what matters. So every day that you can do one thing at a time to get to where you want to be in life, even though you're going through hardships in life, and even though the worst things might happen at some point, you just got to remember that you can get through this because A, you've gotten through this before and B, you're alive. And so you're alive for a reason. So many people die. You're, that's what matters. And that's what you can do. My mentor also say this, all you can do is all you can do. And what you can do today is what matters. Stop thinking about tomorrow, what, stop thinking about day after because those are not in your control. What is in your control is today. Because if you do something today, you automatically have the ability to change your future or like have some control over it. But obviously the uncontrollable is the uncontrollable. All you have to do is focus on what you can do. And yeah, I, mm. I feel like I spoke too much, but that's basically my ideology. I don't think I really uh, go, just to state it in, uh, you know, somebody, I don't think I go back to a religion or like, you know anything i just believe in god in general and like 
probably Jewish is my identity, but it's not everything. Mm. Uh, so I obviously, you know, even though uh, I'm, I'm trying to read uh, the Hindu uh, book, Bhagavad Gita, I really want to get my hands on reading it because I feel like that also has so many answers on understanding how to deal with life's uncertainties and how to deal with life in general as someone who has anxiety, which I do have. And it gets hard during days to even wake up and like think that you have, you know, something. There is something waiting for you. It's very hard. I mean, I was struggling with it over the past few days, just waking up from bed in general. But I just, uh, sometimes I feel like I have this power and this voice to be able to share my story and my pain. And I feel like the fact that I'm going through all of this is because so that one day, somebody else does not have to a mm. go through the same things that i did mm. but also at the same time somebody knows that they're not alone maybe you know yeah somebody might be struggling and thinks yeah. that they're alone and yeah yeah, yeah you should uh, whenever you're going through anxiety separation loss whatever it may be you should remember i mean i'm just after you know we've been talking here for a while your desire to share with people on multiple levels that it's okay, we're going to be okay, and you still, as long as you have breath, you can connect with other people, you can deal with, in your case, anxiety, or whatever struggles there may be, uh, whatever suffering comes, there, as long as you have breath, you can do all of it. And you're proving it by all of the different manifestations of the things you're doing. You know, you're, you're graduating with a degree. What's the degree in stem cell research? Yeah, What's it's it? master, yeah, it's a master's degree in stem cell biology and regenerative medicine. Yeah. From there to a, a screenplay, from there to a podcast. I mean, you are, you are, you represent hope as far as I'm concerned. I, I've done a few podcasts with NextGen, particularly uh, this one that I've done with my granddaughter, who's 13 years old. So, yeah, that just um, pretty much the same. We, you know, there's a desire in her, in you, to make change. And the change is, how do we connect with each other? How do we support each other? I mean, that's very hopeful, Natalie. I mean, I just absolutely love it. And by the way, I got a mantra for you. I you need wanna, that. You do? So this, I did a podcast um, with a Tibetan Lama. And uh, he was just this most happy person. I mean, he was... He is incredible. Um, we'll put it in the sh in the show notes here too, because it's it, I think it would be really helpful for anybody listening to you. Um, he said, "Here's the mantra: Just stop struggling with the struggle." <laughs> How about that? Stop struggling with the struggle. In other words. Just be with what is in a way that you, because you've got this faith in the universe. You've got this faith 
in God. You've got it. You, you know that you, while you have a breath, you have an opportunity. So then you can stop struggling with the struggle just a little bit, you know. And this is for all of us. This isn't just for you. But uh, I think it's a good mantra. Stop struggling through the struggle. Stop struggling with the struggle. With the struggle. Yeah. We needed that. Thank you so much. This is. We'll make such... a. Uh, it's a. It's a car bumper sticker <laughs> that Rinpoche uh, <laughs> should wow. put out there. Yeah. So. That's yeah. Yeah. Um, and by the way, uh, also, uh, Natalie is graduating soon. If anybody out there who's listening has any way to uh, help connect Natalie up with work or, or never mind with work, just going to the Wisdom website and contributing, because that's what you're doing. You're just contributing and giving. And that's what it's all about, right? I mean, this is the probably the thing Ramdas, you're familiar with Ramdas, right? Yes, so very much. Yeah. So probably the thing that he's most he's well known for a lot of things. The whole psychedelic movement, he's you know, he's the OG on that with Tim Leary. Um, and going to India and coming back with what he called this jewel and but one of the most um, important things to him was, and what we got from Neem Karoli Baba was service, was being of some use to our fellow humans in whatever way we can, in the smallest of ways to the largest of ways. And uh, you're doing this is, again, such a hopeful sign because we're in, you know, very tough times. I, I would, you know, without getting into, you know, a whole, without take another whole podcast about your relationship with what's going on, polar, this polarization's happening in India too, uh, you know, a big time with, again, it's part of the nationalistic kind of fervor versus the inclusion, you know, which we, you know, people like you and I ascribe, you know, everybody needs to be included. You know, and uh, that's going on there. It's going on here. It's going on uh, related to the environment. You know, this is something you all, I mean, will, considering my age, and uh, will be gone, you know, in, in not that long. And you are going to be here for quite some time. How, you know, how to navigate that anxiety, right? That's, that's a big one right there the social inequity, the racial divide. I mean, there's so many things. So um, I, I just think your attitude is fantastic. That's all. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, no, sorry, cut you off. But I feel like it's so hard because you don't know how to give back. For me, it's like if I have this degree, I have to you know, probably give back by starting to work maybe as a healthcare consultant to like solve the root at the very basic because sometimes it's companies who set up these prices for medicine like for treatment that they stem cell therapy it's so expensive yeah. so you know i want to find a way so that i can work as a healthcare consultant so that i can you know find a way to make these therapies affordable and be at the same time create more awareness about it 
probably helped through the screenplay that I wrote, the podcast that I have, the hidden artist, the business. It's like all these different things. And just like how you are helping me provide a platform to be able to say and share all of these, all this wisdom that I have. And I really appreciate this because, you know, you gave me this mantra that I have right now. But <laughs> you're, you're doing such an excellent job. And for all those people who are listening to it, just like you said, it's like, I mean, I come with a new country. My parents put this faith in me. My brother has so much faith in me. So when I don't feel like waking up, it's for them that I keep pushing through. Mm. It's, it's my mentor who reminds me. It's people like you who give platform to people like me, people like who you who wants to help all these people like me because there's so many out there who have a voice who have a reason behind pushing through in life but don't have a platform don't have the ability to share their yeah. voice or like share through their pain because it's you know not everybody is like you who wants to you know listen to what people like us the newer generation have to say and have to contribute to the world but there's so much potential for everyone out there all I have to say is just keep pushing yeah, well, listen, you know, people like me are looking to people like you to be able to uh, to bless this, our humanity, uh, our vast humanity with a future that is habitable, that is, uh, that's got the components of caring and kindness. Uh, we're doing a course, not to get a little commercial in here, but we're doing a course. Uh, it's called Ramdas's Yoga of Heartfulness. We're not talking about bhakti yoga and the yoga of devotion and all you know, all of the Hindu kind of thing. We're talking about what John, what what uh, Ramdas is is emblemized, which was generosity kindness, loving awareness, compassion, you know, it's about, that's what will, we can bring to the table, all of us, if we just step that, step outside or step aside from this constant daily concern over ourselves that we have every day. It's called the movie of me, my friend uh, Krishnadas uh, named it. We are absolutely so caught in our self-interest of what's what do i want what do i need it's it's um it's overcome us in a way that's created this polarization because we're polarized inside because it's just all about me and what about them well i got to be careful about them you know it's 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 that that needs to be transcended and you by a, you have a natural, um, wonderful condition, which is you're radiating caring. And that's what I get out of spending this hour talking to you. And that, that just keep doing it. And anybody else who wants to join in and, and, uh, connect with, uh, with Natalie through podcasts, through wisdom, we're going to have, you'll make sure we've got all the proper URLs and all of where, you know, where people can connect with you uh, so that they can and, uh, and you can do this kind of work. I love what you say though. I was so interested because of my grandparents passing earlier with cancer. I wanted to help 
beings, human beings, that I saw this thing, you know, stem cells could, I mean, it's amazing. So I just went and started, you know, I went to school and, and, and now I'm graduating with a master's in stem cell biology. Let me tell you, Natalie, if I had want, if I was in your position when I was the same age, no matter what I wanted to do, I wasn't doing it. That was not an aptitude that I could potentially, uh, you know, work through. So, you know, it's fantastic that you've got, uh, you know, this uh, aptitude for doing this and this attitude of service. So I, I really thank you for it. Thank you for serving. I mean, it's so beautiful what you're doing. It's just like, it's not many people, like I said, I mean, do this or like have a way, like help other people. And like there's so many people who just want to take, 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 but like not everybody wants to give. And yeah. it just feels like all these opportunities that people like you have. It's like not everybody wants to give it out there to young people like us because A, they don't believe in us or B, it's like, you know, mm. what will I do by giving out all these opportunities? So I wish that more people come out and be like, okay, you know, how do we give out opportunities to all these people mm. who are passionate and who want to give, which is why probably with wisdom, which is what we want to change. But uh, yeah, the dream is that only to have more people support us and be on it so that we can share that wisdom through mm. wisdom. Mm. And I have, and by you having more people like me who want to give and who want to share, and like people from you, we can learn and grow. And obviously, Ram Das and like all these great personalities who've done such beautiful work and who I respect and look up to so much. Mm. Yes, you give us hope. You do. It's fantastic. I really appreciate you being here, Natalie. And uh, Honor. You know, we'll have to keep connected and keep in touch. And uh, uh, everybody, you can go to uh, Be Here Now Network, Mind Rolling, slash Mind Rolling, and you'll be able to see in the show notes ways to connect with Natalie. And Natalie, you're going to send me a, an email I can give to the producers so that they can make sure these links are there to connect with you. And uh, we'll see you next time. Yes. And today it's, it's, so we have two things. We say Namaste and Shabbat Shalom. It's I Friday. How about that? We finally, yes. we did it. We integrated Hindu and Jewish thing. We did it. I love that. And also because I come from India, I feel that spiritual connection with Hinduism, even though I'm not born there, born Hindu, I still feel connected mm. because there's so much in there. So I really appreciate you bringing them two together. <laughs> uh, wonderful. All right, everyone, we'll see you next week. This is Mind Rolling. Go to BeHereNowNetwork.com and just have... Have added at all the amazing teachers and thought leaders that we have on the network. And we'll see you again. Namaste and Shabbat Shalom. <laughs> Namaste, Shabbat Shalom.